0: Hi, this is Taylor Stuber. And this is Sean Smith Gall. We are both clinical pharmacists and faculty members at Auburn University Harrison School of Pharmacy, and we are your hosts for The Postgraduate Pharmacist. On The Postgraduate Pharmacist, we focus on preparing and obtaining postgraduate training positions.
1: From current events to expert advice, you'll have up to date content related to postgraduate training. New episodes are released every other Monday, so don't forget to like or subscribe. Follow us
0: on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or Instagram and LinkedIn at the Postgraduate Pharmacist.
1: And don't forget to separate and stand out. At the time of this episode releasing, the mid-year clinical meeting and exhibition is underway, including the famous residency showcase. We are wishing students and prospective candidates the best of luck as their residency search is in full swing, but we know that there's still a lot of work to be done.
0: Yes, as applicants finalize their lists of programs, the forecast portal and requirements are looming. If you haven't already, check out our last episode where we discussed some of the basics of forecasts and how you should go about completing the components. This week, in our two-part series, Crafting Your Content, we take a deeper dive into Letters of Intent.
1: Sean, to say I'm excited about this episode is a complete (laughs) understatement, Uh, not only because Letters of Intent are one of my favorite things to talk about with students, but because of my excitement for who our guest on the show is today. Today, we are joined by Sarah Udaly who is an assistant professor in the Department of Clinical Pharmacy and Translational Sciences at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center and the residency program director for the 24-month pharmacotherapy residency at UT Medical Center in Knoxville. Sarah, it's great to have you on the podcast today.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be with you today.
0: So, Sarah, before we dive into Letters of Intent, do you mind sharing a little bit of your background, your professional journey, and how you got to where you are today?
2: Sure. Um, So when I was a fourth-year pharmacy student, I knew I wanted to do a residency because I wanted to be involved in what I had seen on rotation to be clinical pharmacy. I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do after residency, but I knew I wanted to do a residency. So I ended up applying and matching for a PGY-1. And pretty early on in my first year, I figured out that I really liked a wide variety of disease states and that I love teaching both in the classroom and on rotation. And so that led me to early commit to a PGY-2 pharmacotherapy residency. And that allowed me to continue growing clinically in a wide variety of clinical areas, but I was also able to grow as an educator and kind of developed a goal of becoming a faculty member. After finishing my PGY-2, I held full-time faculty positions at two different schools of pharmacy in the Southeast, where I practiced with inpatient family medicine and internal medicine before I was able to come back to my alma mater and the position that I'm in now at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center College of Pharmacy. And as you mentioned, I'm on the Knoxville campus where I practice with the inpatient family medicine team at UT Medical Center. And I also teach and coordinate courses in the PharmD curriculum, precept students on experiential rotations and serve as program director for the 24 month pharmacotherapy residency program, which is one of the things I really enjoy about my position here at UT.
0: Well, Sarah, thank you so much for giving us that information on your background. You certainly are qualified to be here and to talk with us, give us all your tips and everything with letters of intent. So we're
1: excited to have you. So let's jump right into it. The first question, maybe for those who aren't as familiar with what a letter of intent is, could you just talk about you know what it is and what purpose it serves and maybe how it differs from similar documents that they might have heard of such as a cover letter or a personal narrative.
2: Yeah, of course. So I'll start with talking about the difference between a letter of intent and a cover letter or a personal statement. Letter of intent is what you'll be writing for your residency applications. And I think a letter of intent is really a way for applicants to explain your qualifications and information that reviewers are going to see in your CV. And that's really in contrast to a cover letter. I think of a cover letter as just kind of a basic introduction that allows you to refer people to your CV or a personal narrative, which is really more of a personal story. So I think of the letter of intent, again, as a way to kind of explain a little bit in detail the information that's on your CV.
1: Why do programs require a letter of intent applicants submit a lot of other documents so what's the purpose or why do they have them submit a letter of intent what from your perspective are the benefits from an rpd standpoint
2: yeah so To me, letters of intent are really important because it's part of the first impression that the applicant is able to make. As a program director reviewing the letter of intent, it gives me some insight into why the applicant is applying to my residency. I'm able to learn what the applicant hopes to achieve from completing my residency and really what their goals are. Some other things I'm able to learn from a letter of intent are indirect and they really have nothing to do with the content which is things like the writing skills, which is important to me because of the requirements of my program. And also I'm able to kind of gather information about attention to detail. So things like punctuation, spacing, and spelling. The letter of intent is the only way I'm really able to get a glimpse into whether my program offers what the applicant is looking for. And if my program may be a good fit for their goals of residency.
0: So I like that you mentioned attention to detail. We, we, harp on that, you know, have it read, have it reread, have someone else read it, tell it, tell, give you feedback. Um, I like that you said it was your first impression. Now, I know when you get these forecast applications, you, there's a ton to look at. So are you, are you one of those that goes straight to the letter of intent? So this is the first thing I'm going to read when I look at this application.
2: Yes. Yes. I love to read the letter of intent first because it kind of gives me an introduction into the things that I'm going to see in the CV. And it gives me a feel for, Kind of who the person is who's um, coming through on this piece of paper.
0: Have you ever gotten through the letter of intent and said, that's all I need to read with this person's application and stop there based on how how well it's written, how well it matches to your program?
2: So I would say no. I've not only ever stopped at the letter of intent, okay. but I have been either very impressed with the letter of intent and said yes, I'm almost certain I want to interview this person and then look at the other components of the application. And I have also had the opposite experience. When I read the letter of intent, I said, yep, yeah, this person is not a good fit for my program. I don't need to go any further.
1: Uh, and I like how you also mentioned about when you read the letter of intent, it gives you insight and what to expect with their CV and their other application materials. So that just goes back to how all these things are interconnected and how they need to match with one another. So you shouldn't be getting an impression when, from an application standpoint, where they're writing something in the letter of intent that is very disjointed from what you see in their other materials. So that's, that's a good point for our listeners and prospective applicants as well. Mm-hmm very strong first impression. I like it. Let's break down the pieces of a letter of intent. What are some of the key components and what parts do you think residency applicants should focus on?
2: So my first piece of advice here would be to check to see if any of the residencies that the applicant is applying to requires them to address anything specific in their letter of intent. Some programs may have that, some don't. But if they do have that requirement, make sure to include that and address that in the letter of intent. But otherwise kind of in my mind I like to think of the letter of intent as kind of four different parts. So the first being a brief introduction, maybe a couple of sentences, include the name of maybe a resident you talked with at an open house or a showcase, specifically state the name of the residency that you're inter- or that you're interested in. Then I would follow that with a paragraph that includes a description of maybe how the program matches with your career goals. So speaking specifically to things like your clinical goals, your teaching goals, your research goals, those things that are unique to you and why you're interested in the program. Then I would say the next paragraph, I would speak to your fit for the program. So your unique attributes, why you're a good match for the program, how your experiences have prepared you to be successful. And then the last piece is just a brief conclusion statement. So the meat of the letter should be the second and the third paragraph. With that said, I would try to limit your letter to one page. Program directors across the country get tons and tons of applications, and so we want to get a feel for you through your letter of intent, but we also need that to be an efficient process as well. So try to limit your um, letter to one page, I would say. I will tell your listeners, though, Taylor and Sean, that as they're writing their letters of intent, there are some really great resources from ACCP and ASHP on their websites. So make sure to take some time to check those out.
0: Yeah, and we'll definitely add those links now that you've mentioned those. We'll add those links to our show notes so y'all can go down there and and have access to those resources. I love the word you used, efficient. I'm a one page fan myself. I try to make it like in my life with everything. It's always it should fit on one page other than, you know, strong exceptions for like whole manuscripts and things like that. But I love the one page thing. And I I mean, you I couldn't said it better myself. You say exactly what Taylor and I try to stress to students when we teach our elective with the sell yourself, show them what you what what you want out of the program and how you can fit. And it's all about that fit. So I loved how I loved your four points there. I love how that narrowed in on that.
1: Yeah. And I think it also kind of highlights what you were saying about the program has to be a good fit for them as well. So it's not just what things are, are good about this applicant that makes them a good candidate for here, but what does the program specifically offer that makes it a good fit for that applicant? So it's kind of that two way street there, which might be different when we were talking about a cover letter where you're more just trying to sell your personal attributes and qualifications for a position. So I like I like how you were mentioning that as well.
2: One thing that I think about when applicants or students are writing their letters of intent is that it really makes the applicant reflect on why they want to do a particular residency and really what they want to gain through that experience. So I think sometimes applicants have an idea of what they think residency is going to be and what they think are the reasons they want to do residency. But when you really sit down and reflect on what that program offers, it kind of forces you to think about, is this really a good fit for your goals? And you have to describe that in your letter of intent, which I think is really important.
0: It's a great place to outside of interview
1: and showcases to show you've done your research on the program too. Yep. We're having a great discussion, but before we get into our next few questions... I do want to take a quick trivia break. So we like to uh, ask trivia questions, kind of as a as a break point for our listeners. They they seem to enjoy it. So since it's December, everybody's probably in getting in the Christmas spirit and holiday spirit. So my question is obviously related to that. This should be a pretty easy question, in my opinion. But have you all seen Home Alone?
0: I have seen Home Alone, but it's, when you add the word easy, you always put extra pressure
1: on me when you say it's an easy one. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this, I, I i feel like this is a pretty straightforward question, but in Home Alone, so when the McAllister's are going on vacation when they leave Kevin behind, what city are they traveling to? And I'll even give multiple choice. So is it Rome, Paris, London, or Berlin?
2: I don't know.
1: I I know the answer, so I'll let you take
0: your guess first, Sarah.
2: <laughs> it's been years since I watched Home but I'm gonna guess Paris.
0: Is she right, Sean? And she would be correct. She would be correct <laughs> it is yeah. Paris. Sean, didn't you just watch? Uh, they this? Have, I that's that's why I felt kind of uh bad because I, I just watched it with my kids and uh it was his brother or something, brother in law or something like that, lives in Paris and they invited him over. Because I always wondered how do they afford to take a whole family to Paris, which it was back in the day, so it was cheaper. But I was like, how would you afford that? But they let them; they kind of got them to go over there, and they all stayed with them. So yeah, Paris, France. Yep. Good job. It's a trick one. People would say Chicago because that's the airport they are in running right through. Good one. But
2: you gave us multiple choice, so you kind of helped us out. <laughs> gave you a you did help us
0: out. chance. <laughs> So, Sarah, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm from East Tennessee, so I know it's the holiday season. I have to ask a Tennessee question. My okay. family bre- bleeds bright orange, mainly my wife and her family. Huge, huge Vols fans. So, um, we're actually getting to go to the Lay's Vols game here in a couple weeks because awesome. uh, we, Her her great grandmother has a uh, her grandmother has season tickets. Kid's great grandmother. So, my question is around Tennessee. Okay. So. It's uh, Tennessee is the volunteer state and they are the vols. So, my question is what war does that come from? These were volunteers who volunteered for a specific war, but what war does the term volunteers stem from? Do
2: I get multiple
0: choice? Oh, I can't. I can, I can <laughs> give you multiple choice if you give me half a second to think of some good distractors. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, was it the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the War of 1812, or the Spanish War?
1: Is it the Spanish War? Is that right? So I'm guessing that's not, not a great distractor, <laughs> and that's not the answer. So we can just, yeah. <laughs> All
2: right, 33% chance of getting it right No, uh, I'm going to say the Civil War.
1: Civil War. Okay. Civil War is my thought and what I was going to guess before you gave us multiple choice. So I'm going to stick with that and I'm probably wrong.
0: Oh, honestly, that's what I would have guessed was the Civil War or the Revolutionary War. It's actually the War of 1812. They're the volunteer state because 3,500 3, men enthusiastically answered a recruitment call by the General Assembly for the war effort. So the volunteer state comes from the fact that we had 3,500 brave men, Volunteer for the War of eighteen twelve.
2: So. Awesome! I learned something today on this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You can you can go quiz all your
1: uh, your colleagues there about that one.
2: I think that's a good one.
1: All right. Well, let's get back to some letter of intent questions. So, Sarah, how would you suggest or recommend that candidates approach writing a letter of intent? Kind of knowing where they should start based on the content you had mentioned. How long should they spend on it? Maybe when should they start?
2: So I would say go ahead and get started on it now because likely your letters of intent are going to go through a few different iterations before you get them to where you want them to be. And also a piece of this is making sure that you have kind of a skeleton letter that you're going to use for all of your programs, but making sure that you include specific details about each program. So that being said, I would go ahead and start now because you're going to be working on this probably for at least a couple of weeks. But, Kind of my advice to start would be to ask yourself a few questions and then answer them. And maybe if you even wanted to have a Word document with questions that you type answers out, I think that's a great place to start. So some questions you might think about are, you know, why do you want to do a pharmacy residency? And try to be specific with how this fits with your career goals. Maybe ask yourself, what about this particular residency program, and that's for each of the ones that you're going to apply to, what interests you and why? So again, be specific about experiences each individual program offers. And then how are you a good fit for the program? Maybe answer that by describing your skills, your personality, how your experiences have prepared you to be successful in the program. That's probably where I would start is kind of, just answering those questions. And in the resources that I mentioned through ASHP and ACCP, they have some, some prompts to help you get started as well.
0: Having the questions and just simply answering a few questions is good to start. I get writer's block when I sit down with a blank piece of paper and I'm like trying to create this entire thing. So, so kind of building that framework with those questions and then filling in around those questions, I think is a great idea. Yeah.
1: yeah, And I think starting now, like you said, is, is definitely great advice since, you know, these, these things are going to be due pretty soon. And if they haven't started yet, I think starting as soon as possible, because for me, I know, I remember back whenever I was writing all these letters, I think I, I did it over the course of a couple weeks. I I get to the point where I I just can't write anymore in those types of situations and have to revisit it a a day later or a couple days later. So, um, that might be something useful for students. So I like, I like how you said that as well. Yeah. I got really
0: lazy. I, I just did
1: the whole, all right, change
0: these, change the title of the residency program, change this word, maybe change the rotations that they offer that I like and then go on about. And I, 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 know that significantly, negatively impacted me when they were reviewing my application because I got burned out because I didn't allow myself enough time and I didn't spread it out because if you try to sit down and do it all in two days, you're going to get burned out writing these things. Mm -hmm. So spreading it out from experience, spread it out, make it easier
1: on yourself.
2: Yeah, I agree with
1: that. So Sarah, as as a residency program director, you've obviously probably reviewed hundreds of these things and also probably mentoring students and writing these. Um, You've probably seen a few that way as well. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see candidates make with letters of intent so that our listeners may be able to avoid those?
2: Yeah, so I've mentioned it already, but one really important piece of advice I have is to make sure your letter of intent is specific to each program. You know, I mentioned for me as a program director, the letter of intent is really a first impression and it gives me a glimpse into why you want to do my program, why it's a good fit for you. If you're not specific and you just have kind of broad, overarching statements, it doesn't tell me very much. So I would give the piece of advice to be specific when you're talking about the program and the letter that you're writing. Um, I mentioned already, I think it's perfectly fine to have a skeleton letter. Just make sure that you include specific aspects of each program as you draft those letters. Some examples I'll, I'll give you, so if one program you're applying to has a pediatric rotation and you say that you're interested in that rotation, but then another program that you're applying to doesn't have a pediatric rotation, don't include that in the letter of intent to the letter that doesn't have a pediatric rotation. That doesn't make a good first impression. It doesn't tell the reviewer that you've done your research and that this program is a good match for you. Another piece of advice I would have is to have multiple people read your letter. This will help with proofreading and correcting grammatical errors, spelling errors, typos. You might also think about having someone who's not in pharmacy read your letter. They'll be able to tell you if what you've written kind
0: of makes sense. Yeah. Cause it's supposed to, I mean, the letter shouldn't be too technical from a pharmacy standpoint. It's, it should, it should really make sense to anyone who reads it. it. The examples you were given about the pediatric rotation, it sounds obvious, like who would do such a thing, but you see it so often yep. and uh, it's it just, it, and it's, it's glaring. When you're when you're reading the letter and you're like, what are they
1: talking about? Well, why did they put this in here?
0: So yeah. easy things to make yourself stand out and to prevent some easy mistakes. I love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I and I know some applicants will, you know, they'll want to just put some of the the rotate based on the rotations you offer, we're a good fit. But that doesn't <laughs> really tell you anything specific, or it, that could apply to any program. So mm-hmm. just being like you said, being specific about about that is, is really important too, to help stand out. Mm -hmm. And speaking of stand out, one of the last kind of questions that I had was, what are some things that candidates or applicants could do to make their letters stand out from the other tens or hundreds of other letters a program director or a program itself might receive?
2: Yeah. So I'll say it again, be as specific as you can about Why you're interested in the program and how those experiences that are offered really fit with your goals. I would say what I like to see as a program director in that intro couple of sentences if you've spoken with somebody at the program, especially maybe one of my residents or me, try to bring that into your letter so that the reviewer knows you've sought out people from the program to learn more about what it's like to be there. I like to see that because it, it, you know, it kind of gives me that extra insight that you've kind of sought that information out. And then I mentioned this already, try not to go over one page, try to sell yourself as much as you can in that one page. I mentioned this before, but we get a lot of applications and it takes time to review them. So be descriptive, be specific, but be succinct and concise.
0: One thing I'd like to add Taylor too, is I I like, I like the point you told me is to always make it a Always add your signature. Not necessarily you have to physically sign it, but you can Im- you can upload an image of your signature. But having that personal signature down at the bottom
1: is I, I like that touch on the letter because it's a letter and you're signing the letter. Yeah, it gives that gives a little personal touch. And I think one of the things also that can help you know distinguish one letter from another is I like when students provide specific examples of like maybe an attribute or a skill set that they learned and how, how they developed that skill, maybe during pharmacy school or during a certain experience kind of tie those or how they got interested in, in pursuing a residency and things like that. So it kind of has that personal touch. You can kind of get a story of, you know, where they're coming from and how they got to where they're going and how they developed a skill set to be successful during residency. I think that always adds a nice touch that helps it stand out as well to, like you mentioned with being specific.
2: yeah, I think those are great points.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that's the biggest thing I see is fluff, just a bunch of um, non-specific broad statements that I'm like, well anybody could have written this and it doesn't really tell me anything special it and it doesn't really show me that you that you've done this or want to do this. So yeah. definitely mm-hmm. specific.
2: fluff fluff is a great way to describe those statements. <laughs> they don't tell me anything.
0: We love the word "fluff." We use it a lot. Yeah, we use <laughs> yeah. it a lot.
1: Yeah, and even if you can provide, you know, like you said, an example from bring it, pulling in something from your CV to kind of illustrate something along those lines, I think that's a good way to tie your whole application together as well. Um, with with adding that personal touch, so all great things that y'all have mentioned.
0: Yeah, so any closing thoughts or last-minute advice you have on Letters of Intent, Sarah?
2: I would just say make sure to be thoughtful in drafting your Letters of Intent. Make sure they're program-specific and they reflect your individual reasons for wanting to pursue residency and particularly at that program.
1: Great. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being a guest on the Postgraduate Pharmacist today and for all of your valuable insight.
2: Thank you so much for having me and best wishes to the listeners as as you all navigate the residency application process.
1: If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. You
0: can listen to us for free on your favorite podcast app and check out our show notes below to see links and highlights of the episode. And remember, you can separate and stand out.